grateful for the time that we had together, um, the fun, but also the substantial discussions. I thank you, Father, for um, everyone who's here and just uh, from what I've heard from the community group discussions, that people are taking this topic seriously, that they're really searching their hearts and seeing things they can do in their lives to, to um, help reach out to those who are lost, to reach out to those who need to hear more about you. And Father, we pray that you work in our lives to make us more aware of your presence, your love, and your grace in our lives. But also, Father, we pray that you work um, powerfully in Auburn, in, in, our, in the lives of our friends and family members and co-workers and classmates who don't know you. And Father, that we can come to trust that you're more active in their lives than we are. Um, we pray, Father, that people come to know you on the campus of Auburn and, and, um, and that, that more and more people worship your name. And in Christ's name, amen. So um, we're running a little bit behind because of the, it took a little bit longer getting everybody down here for the picture. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a little bit shorter version than I had planned. Also, my voice is tired from uh, yelling at you guys in your community group games. So I appreciate you all chattering so much yesterday. It really helped me out. Uh, no problem. <laughs> you said that, Brian. Okay. Um, so uh, yes, uh, Friday night, we looked at Luke 15 and talked specifically about how Jesus defends his uh, relationship with sinners. And he defends how much time he spends with sinners by telling us parables about, about the, the nature of God, that God loves the lost. And that's for, for Jesus, that's what motivates us to then go out and spend substantial amounts of time and build relationships with non-Christians. Uh, ben Waycaster spoke yesterday morning. I heard he did a great job. I was kind of up and down, so I didn't get to hear all of it, but I've heard a lot of great things about it. Uh, but, but he spoke yesterday morning about how we can build those relationships. So we should be seeking those relationships, and then Ben share with you how we can build those relationships deeper. And what I want to do um, this morning is give just a few practical things about how you can take those relationships that you're building and make them a little more substantial. Um, because it, what often happens um, when we become deliberate about making friends uh, and, and spending time around non-Christians is we can spend a lot of time with them, but then our, our conversations don't become very substantial. We don't, we don't actually do any type of evangelism or connect anything up with the gospel for them. In fact, um, at times we can be reticent to speak about our faith in their presence uh, because we know they don't accept it or they don't want to hear it. Um, and so oddly, what can happen is you can spend more and more time around non-Christians, but not be some way witnessing to Christ in the, in, in the process of that. And one thing I've tried to make very clear in our conversations this weekend um, is, is that what we're trying to break out of is this view that evangelism is handing a tract to somebody or yelling at, them at a, uh, yelling at them when they walk past on the sidewalk or even kind of giving a, a rehearsed and, and memorized um, uh, kind of uh, presentation to them uh, um, and, and kind of leaving it at that, that evangelism is much broader than that. It's, it's coming to love and care for um, non-Christians. So we're trying to, trying to break out of that. So I want to give you some tips about how to think about that. If you start building relationships and spending a substantial amount of time with non-Christians, how do you turn around and kind of deepen those relationships so that you're not just spending a lot of time, but you're also witnessing to Christ in the midst of that? Um, so uh, I, I want to show you two scriptures, and what I want to do with these scriptures is, is take the pressure off of you, because often what happens when we um, start thinking about evangelism getting involved is, is that we get scared, we get worried, um, we're not going to say the right things, or we're not going to know the right things to say, 
well, what if they have an objection that we don't know what to, how to, how to um, answer it? Or what if we don't phrase things correctly right? Or, or we have all these concerns. Here's the thing. You will never know all the answers you need to know to share the gospel, right? People are, the people you're going to encounter are at different places. They've had different lives. They've had different uh, concerns, and so when they are, are thinking and processing Christianity, they might have different concerns and objections uh, than you have ever experienced or read about. Um, but, but the only reason we would have those concerns is because we think the burden is kind of on us to make converts rather than that we are just using, uh, we're just uh, being servants of God and that's really his power. So if you turn first to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Second Corinthians chapter four. I think goes to Mary just because she needs it. All right. So Paul says, Second uh, Corinthians chapter four, verses one through six. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by open statement of the truth, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. So notice he's saying we're not going to be deceptive. Um, we're not going to tamper with God's word. The idea there is he's not going to, he's not going to be deceptive um, or change God's word in order to make more converts, right? That's not what he needs to do. Instead, there, he's going to present the truth. And even if our gospel, verse 3, is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of of Jesus Christ. So I want you to notice one simple thing about this passage, that when Paul thinks about how non-Christians are encountering and hearing the gospel, that he thinks about them as being blinded to the gospel. So here's the thing. Um, when you're talking to a non-Christian, it's not about your wisdom. It's not about your intelligence. It's not about how well you phrase things because they're blinded. And what they need is they need to be seeking God so that God comes into their lives. And notice he says that just as God spoke light into darkness, God kind of speaks light into the darkness of their mind. If you pay attention to what Paul's saying, it's not the case that everybody is, is, is kind of um, a blank tablet and you're just trying to present some, you know, some, some carefully worded gospel truths and that will convert them. Everyone's in the midst of spiritual warfare. And what people need is for God to kind of open their hearts and minds and when they start to seek him and, and kind of um, become receptive to that, God will do that. But what I want you to see there is that Paul doesn't think about evangelism as your wisdom or your intelligence. He says, we just present the truth. And it's not about ourselves. We're just servants of Christ. And God will speak light into people's dark minds and hearts. And that changes them. So there's no need to kind of be wrapped up and concerned about about and fearful of evangelism that you don't have the right words because your right words aren't what open people's minds. It's the Spirit of God at work. The second thing I want you to see is in 1 Corinthians 
chapter 3. Yeah, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Pro tip, it's right before 2 Corinthians. Second, uh, I mean, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. At the church, they were splitting behind leaders, and they have their factions, and we like this person, we like this person. It's like if you split around the interns and, like, Ben's my intern, and Marley's my intern, and Marley does everything better than Ben, and Ben does everything better than Marley. If you were doing that, that's kind of the situation going on, right? Um, and, in, and in this case, Paul says, um, he comes to this church, a writing to the uh, church at Corinth, and they're divided over church leaders, people who are there working their lives. And he says, verse 6, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So Paul came and initially gave the gospel, converts came. Apollos came and strengthened them. They grew in the faith. So Paul said they each had their, their place. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants, huh? He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's buildings. So I want you to notice um, in this passage, you know, think about, again, how concerned we get and worried we get about our, you know, um, about our role. Are we going to be able to take, uh, kind of take a non-Christian and explain the gospel and they're going to be converted and all this? Notice that when Paul is talking about workers in the church there, he says everybody has their own small part. But the, the person that's really doing the work is God. The person that's giving growth is God. By the way, it's, it's, uh, I love um, that, that last verse I read because it, Paul's looking at... Um, uh, his fellow ministers and he's saying that we are we are co-workers with god so get that picture that god is at work in people's lives he's wanting people to come to faith your job isn't to make them come to faith your job isn't to be the smartest wisest most eloquent person your job is just to be faithful to the situation god has put you in and god's going to bless that with growth how much growth we don't know what role will you have we don't know. But the situation that you're in, you're faithful to what God's doing. And you trust that God is more active in those people's lives than you are. Paul didn't have to stay there to water. Because he trusted that if he planted, God would give growth and God would bring another co-worker to water. Apollos didn't get there to plant. God had been at work before Apollos was there to bring Paul to Corinth. For Paul to preach the word, and God gave growth to that. You are not the end-all and be-all in the lives of the people that, that are non-Christians. It's likely that they will, not, they will come to, if they come to faith, it's likely they came to faith um, because of many different efforts, many different events, many different, uh, in their eyes, coincidences. And you're not going to be responsible for all of those. In other words, um, you don't have a lot of pressure on you. The only pressure you have is to be faithful to the position that God's put you in. That's it. And that shouldn't be that much pressure. If God's put a friend in your life, do little things. Take little opportunities to put God before them. And trust God to be at work in their lives. Every person in your life who's not a Christian, 
and that you are being delivered or reaching out to, you should remind yourself every day that God, as Ben said yesterday, loves that person more than you love them, and that God is more active in their lives to draw him to draw them to Him than you are. God's not in heaven anxious about whether you're going to say the right words. You know, it's not like they're watching a game on TV and they're like, "Oh crap!" You know, <laughs> barely so close. If we just had a better quarterback, we would have. You know, this person would be a Christian. It's not. How, that's not what it's like. There's no anxiety with God. He's at work in people's lives. He just needs you to be faithful to the situation that you're in. So, how do you be faithful to those situations if faithfulness doesn't look like holding a megaphone and kind of yelling at people when they walk by? I think I've told you all this before, but there was a, I, I, that's, the reason it sticks in my mind, number one, every Wednesday when I walk to uh, the lunch Bible study, there's a guy with a megaphone by the Tiger Transit drop-off right there by the library and yelling at people. Um, but then when I was in school, there was a guy who called himself Bible Greg. And he had a leather uh, holster made for his Bible. I, I, I promise. I kid you not. And, uh, and he would stand out there and he had a sign that said, ask me why you're going to hell. And he would tell everybody they're, they're whores. I mean, it was awful, right? But he, this guy thought this was how you reached out to people. And that's not how you do it, by the way, for any of those who are confused. Um, so if that's not what it looks like, what does it look like? If it doesn't look like kind of giving a canned, memorized presentation, I'm not saying those are bad. God uses those. But I want you to be more holistic, more well-rounded than that. So it, it's, it's, if it's not just having something memorized that you're going to spout out whenever you're around a non-Christian, if it's not handing out a pamphlet, what does it look like? Um, so here's what, I, here's what I want to do. I want to very quickly, because we do have to move along. I have an acronym for you guys, and it makes almost no sense. Uh, but wow, it's what I've done it. Um, and, and it's really just six behaviors that you can do. I know that you don't have notepads to write these down. That's why I did an acronym. I want to go ahead and tell you that the third letter in the acronym has almost no correspondence <laughs> to what I need it to be. <laughs> but you'll probably remember that one better than the others. Huh? That's just how it works. Uh, so um, I, these are six behaviors that you can be looking at, kind of uh, um, um, six things you can look at doing um, uh, uh, with your non-Christian friends, around your non-Christian friends. And it's just you being faithful to the context. It's just you, as, to use a phrase that I've used a few times in previous devos, it's just you leaning into your faith in their presence. And God's going to work, okay? So the acronym is SCRIPT. That's C-R-I-P-T. It's the R that I have now. I've got something, but it's not going to work, but we'll see. I'll see if you like it. Uh, but there's, there's six things I want you to think about. There, there, there's an escalation of them, which is hidden, because they're all jumbled up. So this is a terrible acronym, except I just want you to remember them, okay? Yeah, if any of you come up with a better one, that's fine. I don't care. I, when I, look, I'm just getting through this lesson. I'm done. I'm going to go to lunch. I don't even care at that point, okay? So you guys should share it amongst yourselves. Um, I will go ahead and tell you that in your groups, uh, uh, one, you have, you have uh, two questions. One of them is just simply um, uh, how, how, can you involve the, uh, kind of, how can you implement these behaviors more in your life, okay? So anyway... These are all really easy to do, fairly easy to do. Um, they're, they're not threatening. So the first thing is serve. Um, and this means both serving your non-Christian friends and asking them to serve with you. Um, so if you're involved in, um, in, in, in uh, uh, Ridgecrest Ministry, for example, serving at our house, you have a non-Christian friend, invite them to do that. Gives you opportunities to let God's, God's uh, to let the light shine through you. I remember in First Peter, 
um, he says that live such good lives amongst the pagans that though they though they uh, slander your name, that they may see your lives and give glory to God on the day of his visit visitation. In other words, that, that you should live lives that are so exemplary and so noticeable by non-Christians that they begin to notice that there's something about you they don't have. So, so um, your care for the lost, to use Fred's phrase, the lost, lonely, and left out, uh, if you're on the Williamsburg trip, it makes sense. If you're not, you should come Tuesday night and then go on the Williamsburg trip, huh? Anchor down. Anchor uh, um, so, uh, But it, your, your care for those who are left out, marginalized, and suffering can display God to, to the non-Christians. But you can also serve the non-Christians, right? So, um, so the first thing is serve. The second thing, which is a, a C, is connect. Here's what I mean by this. You should connect up things in your life with your faith. Right? Why aren't you worried about your future? It's not just because worry doesn't do anything. It's because you trust God. Your non-Christians should hear how your faith impacts your life. And then this gives you opportunities, by the way, to connect up your faith with issues in their life. Right? Um, So, but the big thing is that they should hear how your faith kind of connects in with your life. Um, Why do you do dating differently? Why do you care about purity? In your relationships? Why do you have the career that you have? Why do you handle the money, your money the way you have, you do? Why do you spend the time the way you do? Start connecting those things up for them. Because if you're a Christian, all those things should be impacted by your faith. Let them see that. Your faith isn't just something you, that affects you on Sunday morning and Tuesday nights at a community group. It affects every moment of your life. If it doesn't, it should. And then make sure that they see that. It doesn't have to be like in a weird way, like, well, <laughs> I just gave money to a poor person again because I'm a Christian. Not to be like that, you know. It's just if they see something, explain it. If they ask you a question, and, and you, the answer to that question, if you were honest, has to do with your faith, explain that. Um, so this is the, the one you've all been waiting for, R. Um, what I want to say is uh, basically share the gospel with them. But share, for those of you who aren't at this level yet, starts with an S. So, relay the gospel to them. Dang it, that was so good. Dang it, I didn't think of that. <laughs> I had to represent. <laughs> Representation of the gospel. <laughs> Well, I didn't know, we were supposed to sing long, I thought the songs were like shortened, and I was up there looking for synonyms of, of say, but relay, relay, this is Austin's fault. Uh, huh? Yeah, so relay the gospel, that's great, I love this, I love this acronym now. So relay the gospel to them. Um, if you don't know the gospel, I know a couple of the groups have gone through a simple presentation, um, just finding ways to connect up kind of, uh, the, you know, the two or three big things in the scriptures about the, the, the uh, God's plan for creation, the fallenness of, of creation, um, and then what Jesus has done for us and how you can accept that. Um, uh, community group leaders, if you haven't gone through just a way to explain that, I know Owen, uh, Owen and Emily's group has done that, and Lauren and James's group have done that. You can ask them. I think it would be really helpful. Um, but one of the things you need to do with your non-Christian friends is, re- is relay the gospel to them. Man, that's okay. Uh, and, um, and, 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 uh, God will give you opportunities. By the way, let me just say this, is that most of us, we are too hesitant to share the gospel. Um, usually, um, 
um, we have had opportunities way before we actually feel comfortable with those opportunities, right? Um, that's just for free. I don't have time to, to flesh that out. The next thing is I, uh, and that's just invite. Invite them um, to um, so the, uh, invite them to your uh, uh, events. It doesn't have to be Devo. It can be inviting them to something that, that we're doing, even just playing Ultimate Frisbee. Invite them to be around your Christian community. I've said this before. I'll say this again. Most people don't convert because they're a Christian. They convert because of a group of Christians. And so get them around a group of Christians. Let them see how the gospel affects all of them, right? Um, so, P, uh, pray. Pray for your non-Christian friend. Pray with your non-Christian friend. If they have something going on in their lives, shouldn't you, number one, pray for them? And shouldn't you let them know you're praying for them? Because they might not believe in God, but they know you do. And isn't it kind of insulting that you won't talk to the most powerful being in the world on their behalf just because they don't believe in Him? This is just kind of part of displaying your faith. You believe God is, 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 is all-powerful, all-loving. You believe God is active in your life and their life. You believe God listens to our prayers. Pray for them, even if they don't ask for it. You don't have to tell them that. You don't have to get their permission to pray for them. Pray for them and then let them know you prayed for them. Um, I can't tell you the number of people I know that, got, have, that I've known that have gotten interested in Christianity because someone just said, I'm praying for you, and let them know that, and prayed for them regularly, and let them know that. I'm talking about, like, waitresses at the, the place that you frequent. You find out they're going, there's something going on in their life, next time you're there, just let them know you prayed for them. And then that, that begins to open doors. God answers prayers, and people start to see that, and that's powerful. Um, the, uh, the last thing is, is maybe one of the simplest it's, uh, it's tea and it's for talk, um, but I just mean talk about um, your involvement in the Christian community. That's, that's, that's the lowest level thing you can do. Do your friends know that you go to church? Do your friends know that you're a Christian? Do your friends know that you're part of a campus ministry? There's a lot of people who God's at work in their lives and they get interested in Christianity before anyone's ever tried to evangelize them before. And often what they just need to know is, where can I go? Who do I know? Who do I have in my life that's going somewhere that I can go with them? So script, S-E-R-I-P-T. Um, it's just six simple behaviors. Notice that the only one in there that requires you to sit down and do a gospel presentation is relay the gospel. And you need to be willing to do that, but add the, all the others in too. If you guys are spending substantial amounts of time with those who are lost, loving them and caring for them, and, and kind of building in these six behaviors, I guarantee you that God's going to bless that. I guarantee you that God's going to work in that. I guarantee you you're going to see fruit in that. So, um, I appreciate you guys coming this weekend. I hope you've had a good time. I hope it's been uh, substantial. Have, have you guys had a, a good like time, spiritually and fun? Okay, good. Um, huh? Uh, What'd you say? Uh, I heard I heard you're all right now. <laughs> Anybody? It's the rest of the joke. I heard that joke was funny the first time. It wasn't, but it was the second. Uh, hey, so uh, hey, I have some announcements for you, uh, and then we're gonna break it into community groups. And that's pretty much done. So hey, we all we all please listen. This is very important. Number one, um, thank you for coming. Number two, you, 
Uh, you need to, uh, when you get down with your community and community group leaders, 